Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Everyone relax, this is Dave Fop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. Will, we uh, have often mentioned on this show, one of our proudest achievements is we are Australia's number one medical podcast, number one medical professionals. Did I even say that right? Number one with medical professionals. Look, it's not up to us to say our slogan correctly. Here's what I would say is that, look, in the medical community, it seems like a disproportionate amount of people and look, I've found that this drifts over to my shows. I have an inbuilt part of my show where I get people to, like, I, I talk about the healthcare workers and in the pandemic and all the promises we made the healthcare workers that we're absolutely never going to, uh, <laughs> a lot of big dreams about how we were going to celebrate the healthcare workers. And every night when I go out on stage, like that bit starts by me, you know, identifying are there any healthcare workers in the audience tonight, clap your hands. And I will say, the disproportionate amount of healthcare workers who listen to this show has seeped over to the so disproportionate amount of healthcare workers. Your general public audience. Mate, I would doubt there's another profession that is as well represented in my audience as healthcare workers. So maybe we need to pander to it. You know how like maybe, right-wing right? grifters, often off, they start ah. off just like journalists or media performers, but then they're like, oh. This is how we lean into the rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah. It's like- What's working better? You know what sucks like, is people don't wash their evidence. hands. Don't you hate people who don't wash their hands? <laughs> Like masks work, do you not know? Social distancing, like we just lean into that heavy. We become pro, not just pro-vaxxers, but just like pro-science, pro-med, pro-pharma. I mean, that's, yeah. that seems profitable, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like a great way to get sponsorships <laughs> yeah. for the program. I think like, we should do it. That's our grift. Yeah. <laughs> we just- We lean, I mean, because like of all the grifts, leaning into medicine and science and doctors being a good thing, like- I mean, yes, we would still be going full grift. I understand mm. what you're saying is like, you know, we're, we're signing never up with Big Pharma. We're becoming yeah, never an absolute shill yeah. for doctors always being absolutely right. <laughs> but here's what I would say is that at least that grift, 90, 90% of what we would be doing is good work. Yeah. It would only be the 10%, the gravy, where we're like, hey, you know, you know what you need? A pill that makes you dick hard. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask is we have to know, like, uh, we're, so we're going full grift. So if you are yeah. someone who works even tangentially in the medical community, you're getting full endorsement from us. We will defend to the teeth anyone who is associated with the medical industry. But then oh, yeah, no, no, we, no, no, no. But, but yeah, we're, but we've got to draw yeah. a line in the sand though. Chiropractors. We've got to draw a very – well, yeah. Okay. Because anything that is in your normal – anything High that caps. wellness will talk about <laughs> – <laughs> I think you can use high caps, pay for with high caps, like they're in. We get a list of things that Pete Evans reckons, yeah. and that's our cutoff. Okay. Up until that point, we're fine. But if Pete Evans reckons that going to the chiropractor is a good idea, then it does not count as a medical podcast. Okay. All right. So what about things like, um, are there like, uh, like Wim Hof, you know, there's sort of ice therapy and stuff like that, which there's sort of contention about. 
Like, do we do it? Because we're. By the way, just just before we go on, just the way the sun is coming through. Can you see on the screen here? Your eyebrows. It looks like I've drawn on <laughs> sinister eyebrows. <laughs> if you ever needed motivation to sign up for our Patreon to watch the full videos of Topa, which are uploaded every week, it's this episode because Will looks like Ming the Merciless. What the. What? <laughs> What the hell is going on with the... <laughs> it's the reflection off the top of my glasses. Yes, the, sh- the sun's coming through the window and the shadow. You've got angry eyebrows. <laughs> Honestly, looks like I'm that baby from The Simpsons. I have to get my phone out and take a I photo know, of this because no one's going to believe this. You can probably screenshot, right? Like, do you know how to screenshot? Uh, yeah, I'll work that out later. But let me just get Hang a photo. On. So right. just lean forward a little bit. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look like a silent movie villain. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is Sorry. is like um, so there's more kind of because the, the sort of medical thing sort of yes. strays close into wellness, like goop uh-huh. territory, right? No, but I'm saying that's our culture. Okay. Gwyneth, well, that's Russell, how we distinguish ourselves as well, right? Yes. Is we've got to be – but we've got to – because those right-wing yeah. grifters are rabidly – you know, anti-left wing, Antifa's hiding under your bed, all that kind of stuff. So I think we need to be rabidly pro-science and rabidly anti kind of like uh, – yeah. We're anti woo-woo. their shit. That, well, I think that's what you, you've identified a good area for us because you need a bit of online traction, right? So just being pro-medicine isn't actually that much of a – like it's not quite meaty enough to – because in general, I think most people are kind of – pro-medicine as an idea, right? Like if you're sick, you mostly go to the doctor. You mostly trust what they say. If you need an operation, you go to a hospital. I think in a general sense, we've all bought into that being the prevailing. Did I I told that story about the anti-vaxxer I was talking to where he said he doesn't trust doctors, but surgeons are cool. (laughs) (laughs) They've done the work. I just that was the bit that I think broke my brain. I'm like, but they yeah. are surgeons are doctors. Like they that's yeah. how you get to be a They're surgeon. They're the best doctors. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have to be a doctor first and then go on <laughs> and then keep going. They, they they make you be a doctor for ages before you actually get to cut into somebody. <laughs> so Yeah, I like this. Uh, I like this. Okay. So uh, yeah, obviously we have to lean into debunking the pseudoscience as part of this. Like, you know, so I think we've got to, like, whatever those tenets of your Gwyneths and your Russells are, like, maybe we have to debunk. I don't I don't know what the legitimacy of the Wim Hof thing is, right? Like, maybe there is some genuine science behind that. It seems to be very popular and it seems to be – I think that's a good one to suggest because – that one feels to me like that. maybe that could could be based in medicine. I don't know. Like it feels medicine-y. Yeah. Well, the great thing about this is so like you take a right-wing yeah. grifter, like a Dave Rubin is a, a classic example yeah. where he started off I think on the left and then he has used that history to kind of frank his credentials as a right-wing mouthpiece where he's like, I was on the left but, you know, they lost their way and I'm here to call them out. So mm. I could come out and say, hey, I was a guy – who once got EV, what was it, that EM, EMP, whatever, I can't remember what it was called, when I got electrocuted, basically. <laughs> I was a guy who walked into a random place off the street that was shut three <laughs> days later and got electrocuted by a stranger. And now I believe in science and medicine. Yeah, I believe in science and medicine. So I could be, that could be my angle. What would be, do you want to be more, um, oh, because we need an Alex Jones type, that you're just like, 
you're just so you're rapidly you're yelling all the time and you're rapidly mm. pro science and just always decrying mm. like because I think you can still I mean be- to be honest it's, it's not too far away from where I am most <laughs> okay, of the time great. anyway so, I mean the best I just have to lean in <laughs> the best wrestling characters are the extensions of, the, of your natural personality <laughs> so I think you lean into that and what's good about that is just because you're pro science doesn't mean you can't seed conspiracy theories about the opposition. Like you can still come up with some crazy shit about goop and and whatever and 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 you know alternative thinkers and holistic medicine and all that kind of stuff. Make lizard people can be totally like through that. Like pedophile rings at working out of holistic centers, you can totally like throw those allegations around. Can I? Because isn't that anti-science? Like, isn't the idea of spreading conspiracy? Like, There's I mean, I understand. I think it's debunking videos, though. Like, I mean, but yes, leaning into them. Like, so it's not just that, like, Wim Hof, for example, like, and I don't, again, I don't know, but like, say you were going to debunk Wim Hof as a thing, you lean very much into the whole, look at him, he's a weirdo. Look at all these weirdos who believe in this. You're all weirdos. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, you'd, it would be kind of presented in an outrageous way, but backed by whatever science there was in the situation. But you would attack. What do they say? You'd play the man, not just the issue, I guess, is what you were bringing to the table. Because doctors, famously healthcare workers, they're very much about not, like, playing the man. You've got to, like, you know, it's okay. – whereas, like, I think that we we could go on the attack. Okay. Well, let's get into Wim Hof because, look, I just brought yeah. that off at the top of my head. I don't actually know that much. I know, but it's a good example because it sounds like something that could be science and could have science behind it. But then recently I've seen Wim Hof. Yeah. And I've heard Wim Hof talk, yeah. and I'm not sure I'd trust yeah. anything that fellow said. <laughs> okay, so this is great. So this is a strategy meeting for our brand new YouTube channel, which yeah. is we are just rapidly pro-science. Yeah, and we've pro decided science. we're just going to do some big yellow writing YouTube videos about mm. like Wim Hof yeah. exposed or Will yeah. Anderson destroys Wim Hof, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so we use all the same mechanisms, 100%. algorithms, like language. That's right. All destroys. Yeah, it, it's constantly it's us destroying, destroying people. Yeah, to, to his <laughs> face. Like that's my favorite one. Sometimes I get destroyed to their face. Um, okay, so let's. This is our strategy meeting. So I'm just going to go through the Wim Hof uh-huh. Wikipedia okay. page, and we work out where we can start throwing shade. Sure. Okay. Yep. Wim Hof was uh, born in 1959. I mean, firstly, is it Wim or Wim? Oh, well, it's written Wim, but I would assume that it's pronounced Vin. Well, hang on. Where's the pronunciation? Okay, so that's – I'm already suspicious. What's he no, trying to hide? it's definitely like, Vim. Tell us. It's, he's Dutch. Is it Vim? Yeah. He's, mm, oh, yeah, okay. And, you know, well, well, I've got my first criticism. He's also known yeah. as the Iceman. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's prejudice, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It? I mean, I clearly, I mean, if your nickname is the Iceman, of course you're going to be pro-ice. Yeah. Okay, so he's a motivational speaker, an extreme athlete, no, noted for his ability to withstand low temperatures. He previously held a Guinness World Record for swimming under ice and prolonged full-body contact with ice. He holds a record for barefoot half marathon on ice and snow. And he attributes- right. So here's yeah. my first like, thing I would be saying. This, this person needs help. Like, why am I taking advice from a guy- who thinks a good way to spend your life is being the guy who's been under icy water the longest of everybody and then, like, running marathons on barefoot on ice. Like, this is not a fella – like, if a, Google, a guy came up to me and just said, I've been running on ice, would you like some life <laughs> advice? I'd be like, no, thank you, sir. Well, you know who else puts their body through extreme physical torture mm. is bloody David Blaine. 
But he admits right. he's an entertainer. Like he's not trying to say you guys should do this. But here's Wim Hof coming in and trying to make, you know, some kind of like healthcare profits off people's na- yeah, naivety. Exactly. The Iceman ice cometh. He attributes these feats to his Wim Hof method, combination of frequent cold exposure, breathing techniques, and meditation. Hoff has been the subject of several medical assessments and the New York Times bestselling book, What Doesn't Kill Us, written by investigative journalist Scott Kerry. Well, the New York Times will. <laughs> Hang on, wait a minute. What's, what's, our, what's our view? Of, if we are pro-science, because I know how the right feels about the New York Times, and even uh, large sections of the left don't really like them either. They're in a, uh, they're in a no-win situation. How does our grift view the New York Times? Are we pro or mm. anti I reckon a lot of medical professionals probably still read the New York Times. Like if we're talking our high-end surgeons and people like this, I feel like we've got to be – I feel like if we're leaning into the grift of this, like if we want the big money to be coming in to finance this operation, then I think we're pro-New York Times. Okay. All right. We're pro – I mean, you're yeah. limiting our – you're limiting our, our points of attack, but I guess it is giving us a point of distinction from other grifters on YouTube. Can't all be attacked. Okay. Sometimes you've got to concede something so that you- So you sound right? reasonable, yeah. right? Because we're yeah, just exactly. asking questions. Correct. We are reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> just asking questions. Just asking questions. Okay. Um, all right. He came from a big family, bit of family tragedy when he was young. Okay. His first relevant experience with the cold yeah. goes back to when he was 17. He felt a sudden yeah. urge to jump- into a freezing cold lake by uh, uh, on Beatrix Park Canal. All right, so that is an immediate red flag to me. Like who feels a sudden urge to throw themselves into a lake? That's someone. Not somebody you should be taking medical advice from. No. The first relevant scientific investigation of his method began in 2011 at Radbod, <laughs> Radbood <laughs> University, which sounds suspicious to me, Radbood, Raddood University. <laughs> Um, and the results were broadcast on Dutch national television that same year. Okay, this is the Wim Hof method. Hof markets a regimen called the Wim Hof method, or WHM, which involves willpower, exposure to cold water, and breathing techniques. Hof states that his method can reduce symptoms of several diseases, including rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, coronavirus, and Parkinson's disease. Coronavirus? Yes, coronavirus. Mm, okay. However, right. <laughs> while hyperventilation might temporarily reduce inflammatory response mm-hmm. to an injection of, of endotoxins, Hoss claims have not been scientifically proven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're in. You're down, Hoff. <laughs> You're going fucking down. Yeah, man. We're going to take this guy down. This is awesome. Okay. Um, uh, Wouter van Marken Lichtenbelt, one of the scientists sure. who studied Hoff, Wouter van Marken Lichtenbelt. This is our man, okay, because he's on our yeah. side. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't make fun of him. How our dare man you apologize? Will sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Wouter van Marken Lichtenbelt, one of the scientists who studied Hoff, said Hoff's scientific vocabulary is Gelimateus. What does that mean? Sorry. I was- <laughs> We're too dumb to be these grifters. Hang on. What does that mean? Gelimateus. Gallum Matthias. Um, borrowed from the French, go to da, 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 translation. 
Nonsense. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, okay. That was a I long just say nonsense. Entry. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what we're doing. We're dumbing it down yeah. for people because this is the problem sometimes with the medical community, right? Mm. They're too busy with the science and the facts to be able to communicate effectively. And the, lang- and the native language they speak. Come on, just speak English like the rest yeah, of us. So just dumb it down for the man, common man. That is our <laughs> TOEFOP. <laughs> with conviction, he mixes a non oh, – so this is still a quote from the scientist. Yeah. With conviction, he mixes a nonsensical way scientific – he mixes in a nonsensical way scientific terms as irrefutable evidence. However, uh, Van Mark and Lichtenbelt goes on to say, when practicing the Wim Hof method with a good dose of common sense, for instance, not hyperventilating before you submerge yourself in water, and without excessive expectations, it doesn't hurt to try. Okay, so can we go as hard on Wim if this scientist is saying, look, it's not, it's not going to cure coronavirus or arthritis, but it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, this scientist yeah. has kind of left us with no point of attack. It's no, too- no, this is fine. I think we can lean into this. Can we? That's fine. We, we just take – I mean, because basically he's just saying whatever, like it's not going to hurt you. Like if you want to do it and you think it makes you feel better, then that's fine. But don't think it's going to clear up your coronavirus. Okay, they, they go into more detail so, on the Wim Hof method as well. Yeah, all right. Okay, so well, they'll talk about him individually first. So mm. in 2012, a case study led by a group of researchers – um, published in the Journal of uh, Psychosomatic Medicine. I mean, I love all these publications. Like, do you think like there's an actual like can, like you get a, something in the post and it's actually like a a magazine, Psychosomatic Medicine, like Rolling well, I mean, Stone. I mean, they're medical journals, yeah. right? Like, so I don't know if they. But how do you get them? Are thrown onto your <laughs> front lawn by a paper boy. I imagine there's probably some more efficient way of distributing them. I imagine. I'd like to know. Well, if you're a doctor, listens to this show, how do you how do you get your medical journals? How do you get this information? Um, okay, so they found that his concentration and meditation during ice immersion greatly reduced his ex vivo pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokine response. This is a quote from them. The concentration meditation technique used by this particular individual seems, seems to evoke a controlled stress response. This response is characterized by sympathetic nervous system activation and subsequent, fucking here we go, catecholamine cortisol release, which is which seems to attenuate the innate immune response. All right, we need to bloody <laughs> speak to these scientists. We need someone to dumb it down for us <laughs> so we can dumb it down for everybody else. I feel like we're a couple of steps away from understanding what any of that means. Listen, listen, Poindexters, enough with this yep. bloody science chat. Okay, so in 2014, an assessment compared Wim Hof and his identical twin brother, Andre. Oh, yeah. The scientists had them practice Vim's breathing exercise. <laughs> sounds, sounds sus to me already. <laughs> like Vim's like, just going to get to my brother Andre. He's in the next room. <laughs> he comes back with like a big moustache and a top hat. Hello, I am Andre Hoff. <laughs> See you later, Vim. Oh, he's got stepped out for a minute. Time for me to get into ice pass. I don't know what this accent is. It's started off vaguely Dutch, but then uh, got French or something. Okay. <laughs> So the scientists had them practice the breathing exercises then expose them to the lowest temperature that would not induce shivering, and they concluded that no significant differences were found between the two subjects, indicating that a lifestyle with frequent exposures to extreme cold does not seem to affect a BAT or CIT, um, which stands for cold-induced thermogenesis. 
The researchers stated that the results must be interpreted with caution, given the low subject number and the fact that both participants practiced the G-tummo-like breathing technique. <laughs> I don't understand anything I just read in that sentence. But basically they're saying pump your brakes, Vim Hof. Like there's nothing. Yeah, well, I mean the fact that everybody's leaned into it so hard, particularly in that wellness community, to the point where I was like, well, maybe there is some you know genuine science behind it. It seems like at best – you know it's all psychosomatic and also a lot of it seems to be a lot of fuss for a very small result even if there is a small result i'm just like there's other ways that i could feel slightly better in the morning you know that are much more efficient than like you know filling a garbage bin full of ice so i can dunk myself in it for 20 seconds um okay so here's a bit more of a detailed study on the actual method so in 2014 a published a published paper uh did a case study of Wim Hof with a randomized group of 24 healthy volunteers, 12 of whom were trained with the Wim Hof method. So there's, all right, control group and Wim Hof okay. group. All right, good. In conclusion, we demonstrate that voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system results in an epinephrine or epinephrine <laughs> <laughs> release. I mean, the doctors listening to this are just tearing their hair out right now. I'm so sorry. I think this is what they listen for. I think this is fun. It makes them feel superior to us, which is correct. Well, the reason why well, – I'll get to the reason why I brought up doctors uh-huh. in the first place at the end yep. of this. Okay. Um, so it brings up the epreen or whatever. And subsequent suppression of the innate immune response system in humans in vivo. These results could have – important implications for the treatment of conditions associated with excessive and persistent inflammation, such as autoimmune disease. Okay, so that's that's a little more promising on Vim's part. But like you say, jumping in a giant tub filled with ice to suppress inflammation or taking an anti-inflammatory. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2014, the report dealt with the effects of the Wim Hof method on acute mountain sickness. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't know what that is. During an expedition to Mount Kilimanjaro, a group of 26 trekkers who were trained in Wim Hof method used the breathing techniques to largely prevent and, if needed, reverse symptoms of acute mountain sickness. Okay, here's a quote again. In comparison with previous studies, this report may suggest that acclimatization as well as AMS symptoms relief can be safely accelerated. Based on previous data, it was expected that the majority of our group would experience severe AMS. All 26 trekkers had symptoms to some extent, but without uh, prophylaxis, and none had severe AMS. Even though we discourage rapid ascent because of potentially lethal risks, we consider these outcomes to potentially be of great relevance for the, for the prevention of AMS, as well as for rescue teams needing to ascend fast with little acclimatization time. Further research is warranted to expand or revise our understanding and the physiology of treatment of these conditions. Okie dokie. All right. That's yeah, well, nice and vague also, again. It, I mean, very vague, but also kind of, again, one of those things that you're like, eh, but also if you were going to climb a really high mountain, I imagine getting used to breathing in the cold would be handy in that scenario, but how's it going to help me in my day-to-day life? <laughs> Uh, in 2015, a proof of principle study demonstrated that the Wim Hof method can atten- attenuate. What does that mean, attenuate? I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> attenuate. Un- All right. I'm just putting this attenuate. Attenuate. Uh, reduce the force or, or effect of. 
Okay, so it can attenuate the inflammatory response through practicing techniques that are relatively easy to learn within a short time frame. But it remains to be determined whether the results this study use an acute model of inflammation and healthy volunteers can be extrapolated to patients with chronic autoimmune disease. So it's one of those things where it's like, like when I got electrocuted, if you're an already a fit person and you go to this place, yeah, chances are you may seem some kind of like a 5% uptick on your whatever. But you're not, it's not a miracle cure. There's no, you know, no one's who has like a serious autoimmune disease is jumping in an ice bath and suddenly being cured. Well, here's what I know from having had osteoarthritis for as long as I've had it now, mm. so long, too long, uh, is that you get recommended a whole bunch of things. And a lot of the time when they're recommended to you, it's a bit of a, I mean, this won't hurt. And for some people, it helps. But we're not saying in any way that it would necessarily help in your circumstance, you know. And, and they give you a list of those sort of things and you end up doing a few of them that seem to help for you and a bunch of the other ones don't seem to make any difference at all. And this feels very much like Wim Hof. He's, he's basically in that category but has been championed now by like so publicly by this wellness movement. Yeah. That like and it's all just. I mean, I've seen. Have you seen like groups of people doing Wim Hof in public places? Because I've seen it a few times now, where there'll be a crowd of people and a a barrel, and then one by one. I mean, they maybe all jump this in. is actually this is where we get our online traction. <clears throat> so we've got to get out in public. Okay, we've got to get down to these barrel events and, and start. <laughs> yeah, well, just yell. Westboro Baptist Church style, like all <laughs> Wim Hofs go to hell and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, because the next thing I was going to say is the next study was mm. actually done by RMIT in Melbourne. And so okay. we've got a local oh, yeah, connection. So why is, don't we, okay. like, we, we get our followers to go pick mm. it outside <laughs> RMIT. So they did a study and their conclusion was there was significant decrease in ESR levels and ASDASCRP upon the add-on training program in the intervention group. These findings warrant full-scale randomized controlled trials of the novel therapeutic approach to patients with inflammatory conditions. Practicing the breathing exercises acquired during the training program results in, in an enhanced activity in the Cori cycle and next to the previously established relationship between blah, 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 the current data indicate a role of lactate and fuck pryuvate in the enhanced production of this key anti-inflammatory mediator in the overall anti-inflammatory ferrotype observed in trained subjects. I don't know what that means, but we're protesting, yeah. Will. <laughs> It's going to be hard to get that on a placard, though. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but we don't like it. That's not science. We we don't like what you said. I mean, can we? Can we? Are we are we in danger of like if we attack an institution like RMIT that have documentation and stuff? Well, it's just about show us the documents. Yeah, we right. want to see We're just the asking questions. Yeah, yeah. Why is and it? Like, uh, they, they were like, "Oh, it's publicly available." Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> you're probably, I mean, you basically read a passage on Wikipedia. If you think it's not yeah, publicly totally. available, we published this report. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, here we go. Here is uh, here's a topic that is ripe um, for us okay. to exploit: uh, uh, Wim Hof method related deaths. Okay, good. How many people do you well, think? Not have- good, but. <laughs> Yeah. Great. Now the Pro Vimoff YouTube channel has just clipped that and now we're fucked because you missed one. Well done. Just ruined our grift straight away. <laughs> Will Anderson destroyed my own words. <laughs> okay, so there's been oh no, how many guess how many people have died in Vimhoff related okay. uh, events? Uh is it less than fifty? Yes. 
17. Less. 12. Less. <laughs> Eight. Higher. Okay. Uh, nine. 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 There have been nine okay. people have died while attempting Wim Hof. Four practitioners drowned in 2015 and 2016, and relatives suspected the breathing exercises were to blame. In 2021, a Singaporean man drowned in a condominium pool while attempting the method. At least one person has died from a heart attack after cold water immersion. Ding, that is the one. Mm -hmm. That's the one that we can really exploit. The leading cause of death with the Wim Hof method um, seems to be a shallow water blackout where practitioners hyperventilate in or around water and unexpectedly lose consciousness. Though Wim Hof's safety video explicitly states doing breath work in water is dangerous, Wim Hof has been filmed teaching deep breathing techniques to instructors in water as late as 2023. Good. We can get some vision of that. Let's, yeah. We play, we slow, we slow it down. Slow it down. Like we white, put circles <laughs> around Scary <stuff>. music. <laughs> um, yeah. So the reason we, we started talking mm. about that is I literally- Oh, yeah, that's right. I've just come from the doctor's. Oh, and um, I was just getting a skin check a few miles looked mm. at, and I need to do that too. It was a follow-up was appointment, it? actually. Yeah, um, uh, just he wanted to monitor the shape and color, and apparently everything's fine. But as we were sort of just chit-chatting, he was like, "Oh, your um, podcast came up in my Instagram feed. You do that with Will Anderson?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh, that must be a lot of fun." And so we had some chit-chat about it, and then he's like, "So what's it about?" And I'm like, "Ah." And I said, that's it. Look, it's a comedy podcast, but you know, it, it, it's very random. And then I started reeling off what we've used in the marketing. I'm like, oh, so it's um, a combination of personal anecdotes, bizarre hypotheticals, pop culture, deep dives, and lyric breakdowns, to which he just stared at me blankly. <laughs> and so the consultation continued. And then I sat there going like, hang on, what am I being so like shy about? Like if history has taught us anything, it's like this show is embraced by the medical community. So- the conversation had moved on, but I decided, you know, when you do one of those kind of annoying kind of like recalls, yeah. like it's like, yeah, oh, but you know that thing we were talking about 25 yeah. minutes ago <laughs> yeah. before you touched my testicles? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I pulled an abrupt handbrake and I said, yeah. actually, a funny thing about uh, the podcast. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I said, we actually have a disproportionately high number of medical professionals who listen. And that caught his attention. He stopped typing in like what do you might And I've got to say, by the way, of all things to come back to, it actually sounds okay. Once you said that out loud, I was like, oh no, that's okay. It sounds a bit like Columbo. Yeah. You're like, oh, actually. Yeah. Just funny one more thing. thing. Just one more yeah. thing. <laughs> um, and so that caught his interest. And he said, What do you mean? And I said, Oh, well, the feedback we get from people, like emails and contacted on social media. There seems to be a high number of like doctors, we've had um, neurosurgeons, we've had psychiatric health professionals, nurses, chiropractors, physiotherapists. And he's like, oh. And he just sort of like brushed it off as that said, what an interesting quirk. But yeah. I wasn't done. And I said, yes, we have a theory on why that is. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, you guys, you know, your job is so all consuming and it, I imagine it requires a lot of concentration. We think that maybe sometimes you just need some brain bleach, some useless bullshit to listen to. And he stared into my soul. <laughs> he was not. He said, "That's no, that's not accurate." <laughs> I'm like, what? no, no. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying that you guys like all need it. I'm just saying it. It would make sense. It's such a silly podcast, and what you do is such important work that I can understand. And he was like, "Yes, but no, but we don't. That's not how a doctor, you know. That's not how the community." And I'm like, 
all right, mate. Like it was just meant to be. Hashtag not all doctors. Yeah, hashtag not all doctors. I know. I and I don't know where he took offence to what I was saying, which is just like, oh, maybe doctors like to like some silliness because you were only job. making fun of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Like but- you were putting them as high status and yourself as low status in this situation, and he got offended at that. Yeah. Well, I think it was because he was. We, we did have a, a small conversation mm. about stand-up comedy before we got on to what's the show sure. about. He was like, oh, you know, Will's very funny. And then he talked about some of his favourite comedians that didn't include you. <laughs> of course. Peter Halleran. Carl Barrett. <laughs> Dylan Moran. Um, but then he was like, oh, have you ever done stand-up? And I said, oh, like a long time ago. And then that's when Once, I got it. Famously. <laughs> but I think when I – when I think he he thought maybe because of you know your big celebrity status that maybe it would be mm. a bit more of a highbrow podcast there'd be a bit yes. more something exceptional about it and then my underwhelming- I, think, I think I think generally that has been the consensus <laughs> for people over the years. It's like there's a fair amount of my the rest of my audience who are like yeah glad we'll lost if he's back because we really can't put up with your other bullshit. <laughs> And that was the attitude of this doctor. Yeah. He was just like, we don't need bullshit yeah. in our lives. I'm like, no, I'm not no. saying you need it. I'm saying that the doctors who- Sometimes it's good. Who to- do. And I thought this would be just like a fun thing that we can fun, joke about. A little like, riff. Because I thought he would be like, oh, well, maybe mm. I'll have a listen. And, you know, and then next time I come yeah. in, he'll be like, hey, you know, Australia's, it's, it's Australia's number one medical podcaster. But no, this dude was like, I'm not mm. having that shit. Like, you are not no. going to bring my profession into disrepute. I was so- We're not though. We're, it's high status. That's I, I mean, or was it, he saying that it's disrepute even because- We are lowering the entire medical professional profession- by association. <laughs> by, by them listening to us and us identifying it. Is that- How's think, that on us? I think that, 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 that was how it came across to mm. me. Now, look, you know, maybe I'm being too sensitive, but I just- I. Uh, we've been embraced with such warmth online and, and with the emails we and, and correspondence yeah. we get that I just assume it would translate that to real life. It would translate somehow. Uh, by the way, uh, we started the show with you having incredibly angry eyebrows. Now look, a giant shaft of shadow has fallen across your face and you're almost in complete blackness. It's like you're in witness protection now. It definitely has a sense of I'm being interviewed on a current affair and they don't want to identify me. That's no, I don't think we've ever... We mustn't have, I mean, just the particular time of the year plus the time of the day that we're recording, but we've got the the sun is literally giving me the full gamut of everything that it could possibly. It's like a whole shadow play. Like, as you said before, this is the reason that we film these things. It's rare that something actually happens that is worth watching the video for, but today, (laughs) I believe this is. We're getting an entire light show. Yeah. Hey, um, I came across this uh, Reddit topic, which just has uh, been in my head for a couple of weeks now, and I wanted to bring it up with you. So it's very simple. It's just a a simple post, subject line, and no follow-up. And the question is, how many syllables are in the word crisps? How many syllables? Yeah. Say crisps. Are in the word crisps. Crisps. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and the more oh, you man. say it, the more confused you get. Oh, it's been two weeks of me wandering around like someone with a mental illness just being like, crisps, crisps, crisps. Oh, man, that has broken my mind. 
Crips. Crisps. Crisps. All right, let's break it down. Let's slow it down. Cr. Cr. E. Cr. Or is it? Or is cr one syllable? Crips. No, not Crips. Crisps. Crisps. No. All right. I counted four there because you did cr and then you did s p s crisps crisps. Chris, Chris. Oh, Chris could be one. Crisps. Two. Crisps. 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 Two. Okay. So there are some Crisps. responses to this uh, on yeah. Reddit. Um, so this is uh, uh, in standard English, one, the SPS at the end of the word mm. is called a consonant cluster, yeah. which means in this case there are three sounds at the end of the syllable. SPS. Yeah. But it's one syllable. In linguistic notation. Yeah. For describing sounds in syllable. But in English, it's linguistically possible to have a CCC ending of a syllable with it still counting as one single syllable. Okay, so that's two syllables then, cri and sps. No, because it can be that they're saying that that last bit can just be, so it can just be one syllable, right? That's what Crips. I'm saying, but the first syllable Crisps. is cr. So it's two syllables altogether, cr and sps. Oh, I thought it was just one, crisps. Oh, is that what they're saying? I thought she was just talking about the SPS, crisps. Anyway, uh, this next person says, I'm 100% confident it's between zero and four syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And this person says they've given some options. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's either one syllable, crisps, or it's, cri or it's crispus, like C-R-I-S-P-S, crisps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what, yep. Three syllables would be cri -s. Yeah. Three syllables, <laughs> yeah, or four syllable is crisps. I mean, that'd be a weird way to say it. Crisps. I think it's three syllables to me. Crisps. Crisps. I think it's one. I'm going with one. It's all the business at the end is just rounded up into the first syllable. I like that. Crisps. Uh, crisps. Okay. This person says it has one syllable. If anyone tries to tell you crisp has two syllables, that means pretty much every word has two syllables. What? <laughs> if crisps oh, has man. two syllables. I, 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 that argument felt quite com confident until that moment where it felt like yeah. it really overstated well, its argument. Well, you give some examples and I'm okay. even more confused. If crisps right. has two yeah. syllables, then the following words do as well. Word. Word. Stop. Stop. I can get. I can hear it more on stop because yeah, okay. it's stop. a hard stop. Stop. I would say it's broom. 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 I think these are one syllable words, but he's saying if you're saying broom. crisps. Crisps. Because there's no break. <laughs> <laughs> Chalk. Chalk. Troll. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually with this guy. I do okay. understand the argument that is being made, and I'm definitely happy for it to be one syllable. Well, he crisps. said to uh, further prove my point, if you mm. add an S onto any of those words, it actually, mm. words, brooms. stops, brooms, brooms. chalks, right. trolls, yeah. it's one syllable. And we are talking about one crisp versus two crisps. Crisps. <laughs> so, yeah, so crisp, crisp, right? Crisp is one. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, crisps is the plural of crisp. Uh, now, this person says 
crisp ends with two consonants and makes two different sounds, which is what the original poster is getting huck, huck, hung up on. All your examples only end with one consonant and one sound, so they're terrible comparisons. Mm. I, uh, yeah. That being <laughs> said, you're right, it is only one <laughs> syllable. <laughs> that being said, you are right, but those were terrible examples. <laughs> um, we have never got as much mail as mm. we received about Donut King. Like okay. our cup runneth over with mm. Donut King correspondence. Um, this is from Steve who said, Charlie, I too am saddened by the demise of the king and his fresh cinnamon donuts to the sweet sugar glaze uh, and the change from their sweet fresh cinnamon donuts to the sweet sugar glaze of Krispy Kreme or $9 Fancy Pants donuts that are popping up everywhere. When I was at uni, I worked on the docks of a department store. Just you should have left it at the docks because it would be so much more like the Bon Jovi song. Stevie used to work on the docks. Enat doning. Eni- I can't even say eating. I just say eating donut king. I said eating donut, and it doesn't matter. You know what I did. I do know what you did. Loading docks uh, are full of interesting characters. Yeah. One being the guy who ate an eight-pack of the King Cinnamon Donuts and a chocolate mm-hmm. shake every day for lunch. Mm-hmm. He did not miss a day with the King, and I worked with him for four years. Um, I do often wonder how he handled the demise of the King or if, in fact, if he was still alive to witness it. <laughs> I, uh, like, I remember I only worked in an office for a very short time, but there was a girl in there whose morning tea she would go down to a local 7-Eleven and she would come back with like a giant strawberry Big M and like a 4 and 20 sausage roll. Like she'd obviously just grabbed it from the, the heating thing. And I saw her eat that like every day for, I don't know, six months that I was in this office. And I do wonder like I eat, try and eat healthy and, you know, try and do all my own cooking and stuff. But there are some people who just can do that, right? Like they just, they have like, you know, they drink well, – like Dwayne Russell has like a can of Coke, Red Bull and stuff every week. Like, what is your worst regularly consumed food? Regularly, not a treat, but it's like something that you have. Is like coffee would be the obvious one, right? I mean, coffee, obviously, yes. The coffee would be number one. Then it would be uh, no, no, biscuits are a treat, cake is a treat, um, gelato. Probably pretty regularly. Uh, chocolate, Coca Cola. Coca Cola is your really? I have a Coke. I have a Coca Cola every time I do a show. So I yeah, love Coca Cola. Right. Can of Coca Cola. I um, Iona loves Jats crackers, uh, also known as Savoy. I mean, do we know the difference? Has that been settled? Is that another potato cake, potato scallop debate? Like Jats and Savoys, aren't they the same thing? I mean, I, I think they're just different brands, right? Ah, oh, I thought it was the same. They're both Arnott's, though, right? But I think Jats might have been Arnott's Jats Crackers, okay, and then Savoy. I'm going to see if we can find out. Uh, Reveal the difference between Jats and Savoy. Okay, here we go. These are great. Uh, This is what we need. Oh, the good people at Triple M have done this investigation (laughs) for us. Well, it makes sense. We're on the listener right now, part of the SEA family. Uh, The difference between Jats and Savoy, the age-old question. Beautiful. Victoria and New South Wales have their well-known differences. Potato cake versus potato scallop, AFL versus NRL, and, of course, Savoy versus Jets. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, the question has plagued everyone for years with many thinking the difference was simply a substitute in name. 
But on a Facebook post in 2013, Arnott's answered the age-old question, and there's a bit more to it than you might have thought. Okay. Okay. Jats and Savoy crackers are reasonably similar, but you can tell the difference immediately as Savoy is embossed on the Savoy cracker. <laughs> so they taste exactly the same. It's, I knew it. Wait. There are some recipe differences between the two crackers. The most obvious ones are that Jats contains full cream milk powder and malt, while Savoy contains golden syrup instead of malt. I mean, not much of a difference, really. Not a huge difference. Uh, Savoy were on the market in Victoria and Tasmania before Jats. Okay. They were then made in Melbourne by the Brockhoff Biscuit Company. Mm. Uh, Arnott's joined with this company in the early 1960s and adopted many of its products. It was decided to keep Savoy and Jats because consumers in Victoria and New South Wales were equally passionate about their local brands. So, so can I ask, though, does that mean that two independent biscuit makers were making crackers the exact same way? I mean, similar. One of them had Savoy in on them, though, so. But no, that's strange, unless it's just like a standard cracker, like there's just there's like. Well, know, I mean, it is your basic cracker, right? Like it's one of the original crackers. Well, here's I what thought. I was going to say is that, so Iona like loves those crackers, so it's a little bit yeah. of an afternoon tea or some cheese and crackers or whatever. <clears throat> but I started getting addicted to these motherfuckers because you can put anything on them and they taste great. Like I often would just slather butter on like a handful of like Jats crackers. But then I was like, I wonder what happened if I, like, you know, you've got your savory, that's the obvious option. But then I started experimenting with like honey, maple syrup, <laughs> like coconut sugar. Like I was making these Jats-based treats and getting to the point where like I would buy a box of Jats, you know, for the week for afternoon teas for Iona. And then after like two days, they'd be gone because dad have gone up, you know, uh, you know, maybe after a, 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 like a particularly uh, – Got out a jet spray, right? <laughs> I understand. You know, a little jet spray, A little jet spray where I would just burrow in and mm. I sort of – I had to get to the point – like Jem often jokes about me and biscuits. Like, you know, everyone knows about the donuts, but biscuits are the number one thing. Jem tells this story about um, – when uh, we used to do uh, music videos, so often on a shoot you'll have like a bunch of leftover uh, just catering and stuff like that. And one day we had like a full box of family assorted cream biscuits mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we had our editor come to our place to cut this video and um, I was unpacking all the leftovers from the shoot and so I emptied out this uh, 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 family assorted into a jar. And then over the next two days, like Gemma remembers – on the first day, getting up and making a cup of tea for everyone and giving them a biscuit. And then the next day, getting up and all the biscuits were gone. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> in 24 hours, every cream biscuit had disappeared. Yeah. But the shocking thing to her was that we were all working together in the one room and she never saw me like eat a biscuit because what I would do, Will, is I would go into the kitchen and I would take out a handful of Arnott's biscuits and I would put them in my pockets and yeah. then I would excuse myself from the room to, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever and I would eat <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, you had a couple like in a in a glad bag in the cistern of the toilet, nothing weird. <laughs> I, I was like Tim Robbins in Shawshank yeah. Redemption where I was just like right. smuggling biscuits out of the kitchen so I could eat them. But the thing was I wasn't – like what was the point of smuggling them out if they're all going to be gone in 24 hours? Like the, the missing biscuits are going to be noticeable. That's only sensible if you're going to do – you're going to be patient over a long period of time. 
You know what um, I like about this though is like so on Top Chef this season they they did a challenge which was on I think Ritz might be the American sort of version of or something like that. Yeah, I reckon. They're, they're a bit Ritz, lighter. Ritz crackers. They're, they're crispier but, and lighter. Yeah, yeah, More but buttery. like that's similar sort of vibe, right? And yeah. they had a challenge where they had to prepare a meal on top of one of those crackers. So like you've just been basically doing a version of literally what they did on Top Chef to like All Stars this season. So congratulations firstly on that. Now for our overseas listeners, they might not be aware that Jats Crackers is of course um, also Australian rhyming slang for knackers <laughs> yeah. slash testicles. So do you think there's some Freudian thing going on here, here where you just like – the idea of like dripping some butter and honey mm. on some testicles is like <laughs> <laughs> something that you secretly desire and that's – Well, I do think like my family has a sweet tooth and I remember my mum, mm. she would she had this kind of routine after dinner where she would think out loud about what she wanted for dessert, oh, yeah. like she, like as mm-hmm. like almost like a decree, like a royal decree. Yeah. So she'd sit there and go, "Now, what would I like to have for dessert?" And so she would sit there and list off items in the fridge or the pantry that she could combine, you know, and then top with you know honey or, or whatever. So she'd be like, "I think I would like some ice cream and maybe some chopped banana." And some granola and some chocolate <laughs> topping, you know, and we'd all sit there and listen to mum reel off. But I figure I am, uh, I'm definitely my mother's son because that is kind of often what I'll do is I'll think of what items I have in the pantry, in the fridge, and how I could possibly combine them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically you're just the surprise chef. You're Aristos. But with the surprise chef, but with a very narrow focus, which is like Mm. it has to taste like dessert. (laughs) I remember you Mm. were the first person to introduce me to the concept of salty and sweet. And that kind of changed (laughs) everything. I remember when you were living in LA and I came around and you had these fancy chocolates with Mm. like giant salt. Yeah. Uh, on top of them, and I was like, "What's this? Disgusting! Who wants salt in their chocolate?" And then you were like, "Just try it. You just try it, man. <laughs> just have a just have a little taste. Don't have too much the first time. It's going to blow your mind." I remember that because when I remembered that when I found that shop, it was really genuinely where salty and sweet was very much like a artisanal niche, like cutting edge thing that then has just become so ubiquitous in our society but it did at the time feel like i remember when i was like man you've got to try this (laughs) (laughs) this is incredible i can't believe no one's really thought of this before but it's amazing uh well enough uh uh uh, dessert chat let's uh, get on to another bit of mail and then we can wrap things up bit of a shorter episode today uh but we are also recording a tofop bonus uh if you want to hear it all you need to do is sign up to our patreon uh, patreon.com slash tofop we do ad-free episodes every week of Tofop, Philosophy and Fofop. So if that is your jam, you can find all the episodes there. Plus, we do a bonus episode of Tofop every fortnight, plus a heap of other great bonus content, artwork from James Fosdyke and the like. And we've had a Patreon for about five years now. So if you are a, a uh, what's the word, completionist, archivalist, what's someone who likes to know everything about something? What do you call yeah. that? What, completers both, both of those are good descriptions i think yeah <laughs> so if you are if you're not my gp and you are someone who you think might like more tofop uh then go to our patreon and check all that out and also you can go to youtube uh, tofop tv on youtube where we put highlights of the show every week okay this is from mel that's right hi mel charlie I'm disappointed. Look, I understand that it's dumb, but Charlie, come on. You can't criticize the Fast and Furious franchise when you're an out and proud fan of five. Okay, 
I mean, point taken, like when it comes to ironic pop culture indulgences, yes. Um, but I think I'm over how can, how can you How can you like five and not like fast five? I That's mean, right. There's the same spelling. <laughs> Spilt the same. <laughs> uh, Fast and Furious is a pop culture icon, although I did notice there was some chatter online that a lot of – because I was attributing Fast and the Furious's popularity to millennials, and there's a bit of pushback online. Um, a lot of millennials saying, hey, don't blame us for its popularity. It's, it's, we're not sold to blame. There's plenty of Gen Xs in there and boomers who seem to enjoy the – the uh, the the what is it? The dramas of the what the Dom Pareto, 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 yeah. Dom, Dom. It's definitely Dom, one of those. Dom Pareto, Pareto, Dom Pareto. Yeah. I'm going to say Pareto. Dom Pareto. It's family. Um, like it or loathe it, as someone who sits down and commentates on pop culture every dang week, mm. I'm disappointed in your lack of interest. Oh, this is my oh. radio head. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Calm this down. Is- <laughs> yeah, this is people like you've got mm. to know it. You've got to know about it. I think I do though. I think the Fast and mm. Furious is a you know franchise about where it. you only need to Toretto, know- Toretto, not Toretto, Toretto. <laughs> I Dom think Toretto. No, um, I've been a fan of these films from the start. Okay, here's a little. Let me bloody frank my credentials. I saw the original Fast and the Furious mm. at the cinema, but back when it was a car racing movie. Let me go with all my credentials, which is like I've seen every single one of these films despite the fact that I have not enjoyed any of them (laughs) because I believe it is a cultural phenomena and it is my responsibility as a cultural commentator to have my head around it. Ah, shit. Uh, I've been a fan from the start and I'm even over it with these later ones and their ridiculous storylines, but there's absolutely no way to deny that the original film and maybe the three following it uh, too Fast, Too Furious, FNF, Tokyo Drift, and Fast and Furious, no, the, sparked a way of life for some. I would dispute that the first one is uh, is good. I think the first one is a passable action, crime action film, but I don't think it's in any way great. In fact, the fact that it spawned so many sequels is amazing. With all due respect, none of them are good. <laughs> Like, are they entertaining? Like, they, but they're like going on a ride. Like, the idea that, like, we're judging them by the standards of them being good, I think, is an unfair standard for what these movies are. Like, I think occasionally they stray into something good, but that is not the – like, I – I think you appreciate that when it goes to somewhere that is genuine or like emotive or just spectacular or whatever. But like the rest of the time, it's just like, enjoy the ride. Original trilogy aside, would you be more inclined to watch a Fast and Furious or Star Wars film? Oh, I, again, this is what I mean about like the Fast. I've, I've enjoyed all of them. It's never been a chore to watch any of them. And I say this as a person who's watched every single one of them. They are not good. I say this as a person who did that Universal tour so many times and went on that Fast and Furious. I've done it all, man. I've been in the 3D experience. They're not good. They're entertaining. There's car chases and bad acting and dumb fights and unrealistic plot lines and and whatever. They're not good. It's impossible for them to be good with the ingredients – that they've you know they've got in them like you can't make a good version of the Fast and the Furious because it wouldn't have any of the things in it that make the Fast and the Furious worth watching. Yeah, you know what they do. Have, like in a good it? version, they'd be like, "This guy can't be on our team. He was the bad guy." Just like <laughs> yeah, he last killed, year, he killed, like, mate, we, can, we can't just get over that. <laughs> this is the real world. 
As you two have clearly demonstrated in the past that you know nothing about cars, yeah. here's a side note. Here's a tip. If your brakes don't work, use the handbrake to stop. Uh, otherwise, you'll end up in an accident, Charlie. Yes, I, I realized uh, well after the fact that I could have used my handbrake. I understand that you may not understand the cultural revolution around the tuna car lifestyle, but it was real in capital letters. Okay. No, I'm aware that there's uh, yeah, no, it was car a cultural, culture. It's a cultural so- imprint. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just- like the movies make a billion dollars each. They've made fucking 10 of them or 12 with spinoffs or whatever the fuck it is. Clearly, it's a cultural phenomenon. I challenge you both to watch them all. Well, I have Paul's already done that. Challenge accepted <laughs> and completed. <laughs> and completed. <laughs> Do it in a Wim Hof ice bath, though. That's I the challenge, challenge you to go on this 3D universal ride more than once, but I've fucking done it. <laughs> it will give you a bunch of shit to hang on Vin Diesel and The Rock. Also, in reference to Paul Walker's character's undercover name, Brian Earl, Earl Spilner, the line from Dom after he finds out his name is, yeah, typical white boy name. You have to watch them. Again, all in capitals. Watch at least the first four movies. Love you both. Um, you're the only pod I listen to. Oh. But I'm now off to do the unthinkable and start Tofop at number one again because I missed a bunch from 2015 to 2022. See how committed I am? Now commit to the Fast and Furious life. <laughs> well, so here's what I'm going to say. Joker. Not only have I watched all of the Fast and Furious movies, and I will absolutely go and see the new one, um, I have been on that Universal 3D ride, and the most disturbing and scary thing about that is the – it's like it's old school graphics. They haven't updated it, so Vin <laughs> Diesel's head does not look great. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I have, Charlie, been listening to the Weekly Planet as they do their rundown on Caravan of Garbage of the Fast and the Furious movies. So, like, I feel like I have – Yeah, this isn't letters not written to you. It's just This is not. I am across this franchise, and I'm interested still. I'm interested enough to listen to the podcast of them talking about it in anticipation, but I stand by the fact that it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I stand by the fact that I will not watch all the Fast and Furious movies. I've seen four randomly scattered out throughout the 12 or whatever there is, and, and that's enough for me. Um, okay, let's wrap the show. Now, uh, this is uh, coming out in two weeks, so what do you want to promote in June? Uh, look, you know, here's the thing. I'm on tour still. I'm doing my show uh, places. So uh, I would say at this stage, Townsville, Wyong, uh, Sutherland Shire. I'm doing some shows at the Sutherland Shire. They've got a new theatre there, which I'm going to do, um, and some other places, comedy.com.au. Uh, and that's it. I think do we have anything else to plug? Oh, yeah. Go to tofop.com. Check out other great podcasts. Uh, we do one called Two Guys, One Cup, which is only on the listener app. So if you want to listen to that, you've got to get the listener app, which is free to download and free to listen. Um, but failing that, if you live overseas, you can use a VPN and listen to the website. The show's been doing really well. It's been very funny this year. I've enjoyed it. And Podcast Mike, if you're missing his dulcet tones on Tofop, you can hear him. He's now a regular guest. Completely- Very uh, funny. Taking over <laughs> the entire podcast, to be honest. To to the <laughs> it's very- like, this me. last week is like honestly, it may. I don't know if I've laughed that hard in a very <laughs> long time. Um, Willosophy is back, a uh, whole bunch of new episodes with um, some really interesting comedians. So I uh, would recommend uh, people checking that out as well. All right, that's it. That's the show for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hold up. 